Hello and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. We exist to see lives transformed through Jesus and are located in the heart of Surrey, BC, Canada. To find out more, visit us at horizonchurch.ca. We hope this message blesses and inspires you. Welcome. Happy Sunday. It's December. Is anybody else confused as to how it's already December 2023? I know how old I am in a little bit more than a month, and it's, wow, time is flying by. But that means some of you are getting older, too. So, But Christmas time can be the best of times. It can be the worst of times. It can be challenging. It can be awesome. It can be all kinds of things. One of the things that generally marks Christmas, though, is the giving of gifts. Now, we all respond to gift-giving, receiving it differently. How many of you are a lot like me? Where if you get a gift, this is your face. Thank you. Anybody else like that in the room? You're grateful, and you really are, and you're thankful for it, but you're just like, thank you. My wife, a couple of my daughters are not like that. I have one of my daughters. She's the best person to give gifts to. Because I sometimes feel like no matter what it is, you're going to get a cry from it. And uh, sometimes she jumps up and down. Sometimes she will let you figure out who it might have been. Very close to me today. Full of, and just like, wow, it's so great. It's wonderful. Thank you so much. She's crying. And you're like, that was the best gift ever. And it might have been next to nothing. Because she's very, she responds differently. But for the most part, most of us like gifts in some form, gifts of time, gifts of a, of a, a good, a gift of, of your presence, whatever it might be. Most of us like gifts. Some people on their birthday are big gift givers. Who, is a, who loves to give gifts? Okay, my address. No, just, uh, yeah. I can add you on Elfster and you can figure out what I need. No, I'm just kidding. One, one of my favorite presents growing up that I remember getting was uh, a Superman watch. I don't even remember who got it for me, but I came upstairs and it was sitting on a piano, uh, wrapped in a little box, and it was from the general store in the cusp, I think, and it, or the five to a dollar store, the variety store, and it was a, a little Superman watch. And I don't know how long I had it, but I remember being excited about it that day because you could tell by my face it was a lot. That's the way it was. Shanda at Christmas time tends to like this, a gift, maybe a little bit before Christmas, <clears throat> an advent calendar, but she's gotten the last few years advent calendars that each day is a, about 12 pieces of a puzzle that over the course of 24 days makes, they all interconnect and make a huge picture. She likes it, but every so often, and even yesterday, she said, one of the pieces are missing. I had nothing to do with it. I have had that before, done that, and just taken a piece before and put it away. But when you're missing a piece, you've gone through day after day after day, and you get to the end, and there's two or three pieces missing. It's just annoying to get that. I'm not a puzzle person. Some of you are really love puzzles. I, I don't, and I'm for the people who do, God bless you. But if I took a couple pieces from you, it might cause you to lose the victory that day. Some people are looking for all kinds of presents. And if I asked around the room today, what would you think would be a good present? Some of you might say something like, more, more money. Some people would, and you get to a certain age where your kids are like, 
don't buy me anything. Just give me cash. Some of you might have kids like that or a gift card or something like that. Let me do it. Some people might be looking for a new relationship. Some people might be looking for a new job or a raise or a promotion. Some people are hoping for that certain gift. Some of you are students and are hoping that miraculously you get an A on your math. It's probably not happening. I'm just telling you now. If, you're that, if it's gone to the place of prayer, it might be too far gone. You have to. It's too late. You didn't get the added. But what we really need in life is often different than what we think we really want. Money is not bad. It solves some problems. It saves some time. But at the end of the day, it doesn't bring lasting happiness. Some people say, well, if I would be married, and that can be good until it's not. Some people are like, I wish I was single, and that could be good until it's not. Some people want to just be happy, and it's not a bad goal, but it's always dependent upon what's happening, the ups and downs of life. And 2,000 years ago, in a field, there were shepherds watching their flocks, and an angel suddenly appeared to them and said, peace on earth and goodwill toward men. And peace was often a, a Hebrew greeting, common greeting in the New Testament. You'll see it in the end, peace be to you, peace, go in peace, grace and peace be with you. Uh, but what you really want in life, what you might not know you want, is peace. And often it's missing in our life, it's missing in the world around us, and we are looking for the thing that will properly complete the puzzle of our life, the missing piece. Kind of like a dad joke there, you almost got it, didn't you? The missing piece that will fill out the picture of our life. But the truth is you can have money in the bank and have no peace in your heart. You can have successful, looking successful on the out word appearance, but inwardly there's all kinds of angst. You can be married and not have any peace. You can be single and be frustrated. And how many times have we done or wished we could go into our room or if you're a mom, into the bathroom and close the door and just have a moment of peace? And how many times have we seen nations try to hammer out peace only to find it in a short time as we're seeing in the Middle East right now, broken by terror and hatred. We pray for peace. And how often do we find ourselves unsettled or maybe even overwhelmed at the pace of life, at the challenges of life, at being a parent, at being a provider, at all the things that might be, feel like are on your plate? And isn't it true that the Christmas season can also highlight loss, the loss of a relationship, the loss of a friendship, the loss of someone who passed away in this past year. And I would suggest to us that the, what so many people really want and need is peace. And in so many of us, it's missing, the missing peace. Why is it that we crave peace so much, but we seem unable to hold on to it? Why is it that this thing we fight for and work so hard for always seemed up, seems to end up being brittle, fleeting, and temporary? You want harmony and you want to be understood and you want to get along, but suddenly it seems to devolve into 
taking sides and going to our corner and isolating and rejecting and holding at a distance. And what a lot of people don't want and don't even know it is a peace that only comes from Jesus. And we find ourselves missing peace. And is peace even possible? Jesus, I pray that you would open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, that through that your word would speak to us, that your word would cause us to be challenged, your word would cause us to be encouraged and strengthened. Speak to us in every area that we need. In Jesus' name, amen. If you want to turn in your Bible, to Isaiah chapter 26. As the angels said, peace on earth and goodwill towards men. 700 years prior to that, Isaiah was a prophet who was prophesying to the children of God who had wandered from God and ignored God and were not listening to God. And their life was in all kinds of upset and unsettled. Enemies were coming against them. There was lack of peace on every side. They were experiencing challenge in so many ways. And Isaiah comes to them in the middle of that seven or 800 years before Jesus where nothing seemed to be going right and he prophesies of a new and better day. And in that day, he says in Isaiah 26, 1 to 4, in the New Living Translation, in that day, everyone in the land of Judah will sing this song. Our city is strong. We are surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Open the gates to all who are righteous. Allow the faithful to enter. And here's where we're going to camp out on in these two verses. For you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you, Trust in the Lord always, for the Lord God is an eternal rock. And we love that promise that we see there. You will keep them in what kind of peace? Perfect peace. All who trust in you. Perfect peace. Aren't we more familiar with imperfect peace? We might start out with, yeah, I'm good. And then suddenly it devolves a little bit to, God, I'm trusting you. It's not easy right now. And sometimes man, it even devolves a little further. God, where are you? Isaiah reminds us that it is possible to be kept in perfect peace, but is it, a biblic, is it a, just a biblical pipe dream in 2023? Did they envision a day like today with the craziness that was going on? Yes. This word peace is from a Hebrew word, shalom. It means wholeness. It means completeness. It means fullness of peace. And it was often a Jewish greeting, shalom. 30 years ago, we were in, I was in Romania shortly after the wall fell between the Iron Curtain, and we were there delivering food, and I went to a, a little a Romanian Pentecostal church, and when I walked in with the person that I was with, everybody kept saying, it was something like this, I'm going to say it wrong, so if you're Romanian, please forgive me, but something along, it was P-A-C-E, pate, peace, 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 and they would greet you, it was a uniquely Christian greeting. It was peace. It was reminding us, reminding one another that the God of peace has brought peace and we can have peace with one another. Wholeness. Someone has said it means that it's peace with God. It's peace, peace with each other. It's peace within ourselves. It's peace no matter what's going on around us. But you see in the, in the original text in the Hebrew, Isaiah wrote this, you will be kept in shalom, shalom. Not once. You will be kept in peace, peace. Why is he saying it twice? 
Did he, was it a copying mistake? No. It means a double portion. It means more than enough peace. Enough for you and enough to flow out of you to the world around you. It carries the meaning. And often when a word is repeated in scripture, it was, they didn't have a yellow highlighter to highlight it. So they would say it twice. It was like an underlining. It was like putting control B and highlighting that part of the text. So he's saying, shalom, shalom, peace and more peace than you need. Peace and an overflow of peace. In 2023, when the challenges of your financial situation, shalom, shalom. In the middle of your situation in your family, shalom, shalom. As you're going through the situation of recognizing that that loved one is not there this year, shalom, shalom, peace. More than enough from the God of peace, the Prince of peace, the source of peace, the one who is peace. Because peace doesn't mean that you'll never experience troubles, you won't have any problems anymore. Peace doesn't mean that nothing ever breaks, that your kid won't ever talk back, that you will never experience any loss. It doesn't mean that you will never experience financial challenges or your spouse never gets on your nerve. I have an easy way to get on Shanda's nerves and some of you might be able to identify with this. She will tell me something that we're going to be doing in a couple of weeks and I'll go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I put it in a box in my brain that's future Craig's problem. I put it in there because I only have so much processing available to be used at any given moment. So I put it in that box. And then two weeks later, we're coming up to that event that future Craig is now in. And Shanda will say, are you ready? Um, for... I think so. For what? And I'm madly in my brain searching through the files looking for the one and I can't find it. And I actually then start to say, why didn't you tell me? Is there anybody else who's ever done that before? Yes. But true peace isn't found in the absence of problems. True peace is found in the presence of Jesus. And that's why... Horizon Church, we will keep our focus on the person of Jesus. The same yesterday, the same today, the same forever. That he's not just a God who lived in history and he's a good teacher, but he's the one who came, lived a sinless life, was crucified, died, buried, and rose again in newness of life. It means that he's defeated death, hell, and the grave, and that anything is possible, no matter what situation we're in, that the God of the resurrected Savior is still alive, and if that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead can live in you, it will quicken your mortal body, it will quicken your situation, come and invade your world. He's alive. It's not just a Christmas thing. Christmas with, which is better, Christmas or Easter? Both. Because you can't have one without the other. And we're so grateful that both of those holidays, our holy days, center on the person and the work of Jesus. Because the reality is peace is God's presence. It's not just found in his presence, it is his presence. When we are in God's presence, we can get God's perspective 
When we're in God's presence, we can experience his assurance. When we're in God's presence, we can experience his power. When we're in God's presence, we can experience his love. When we're in God's presence, we can get the wisdom that we need. When we're in God's presence, then he can begin to settle our hearts and settle our minds. And even in the middle of problems, Isaiah prophesied of Jesus 700 years before he came in in chapter 7 and 14. He says this, all right then, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. He's God with us. He's God with us. He's not God that was with us. He is God with us in the present, in no matter, in the dark times, in the times when you're on the top of the mountain, in the times when your marriage is in trouble. He is God with us. Craig, what are you talking about? That the peace of God can be with me when my marriage is in trouble? Yes. That the peace of God is with me when someone I love is caught in addiction? Yes. That the peace of God can be with me when I'm trying to fight my way forward? Yes. That the peace of God is with me can be with me when there's pornography in my home? Yes. That there's the peace of God can be with me when I've been betrayed? Yes. That the peace of God can be with me when my body hurts? Yes. That the peace of God can be with me when I got a bad prognosis from the doctor? Yes. That the peace of God can be with me when I'm struggling to pay my bills? Yes. Because peace is not an event. Peace is a person and his name is Jesus. But the battle for peace always begins in our mind. Has there anyone else ever had or is having a battle, a struggle at times to stay at peace in your mind? Because it needs to move from our mind into our heart. That, that's the, I, someone has said that the distance between life change is 18 inches. When you know in your mind, but then you experience it and believe it and act on it in your heart, the center of who you are. But is it any wonder we can't find peace when we're living under the impression that you must do everything for yourself. When we live under the impression that we must fix everything by ourselves, that we live under the impression that we must prevent every bad thing by ourselves, that we live under the impression that we must solve every problem in our life by ourselves, that we must provide for everything by ourselves. Is it any wonder that we struggle with anxiety when we're under so much control? wanting to control everything, order everything, keep on top of everything all by ourselves. But we are never meant to live there because the truth is there's very little of our lives that we can control. One of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. The Holy Spirit helps us to go under self-control. But you can't control everything about your life and it can expect to experience the peace of God. Let me show you this. In verse 3, it says this, you will keep in perfect peace, all whose thoughts are fixed. Somebody say fixed, fixed on you. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast, fixed, steadfast. Notice he doesn't say that you will keep in perfect peace whose mind is fixed on 24-hour news station, whatever your one is. He will not keep in perfect peace if our mind is fixed on Instagram. He will not keep in perfect peace if our mind is fixed on our TikTok algorithm. He will not keep in perfect peace if our minds are fixed on all kinds of other things, on a cloudy future. 
fixed on our financial problem, fixed on our marital problem. I got to think about those things. But when our mind is fixed on them, peace is impossible. Fixed is a word that means, in the original language, to lean on completely, to fully rest oneself. And we see this. If you could say it like this, go back to the verse 3, the one just before that. You will keep in perfect peace when your mind is leaning on God. That's the meaning. You will be kept in perfect peace when your mind is leaning on God. Leaning on Jesus, leaning on Jesus, safe and secure from all alarm. Leaning on Jesus, leaning on Jesus, leaning on the everlasting arms. It's an old hymn. Some of you are like, where did that come from? I've never heard that before. Some of you are hoping I will stop. But leaning on Jesus, it's a biblical truth to fix myself, to lean on. Or another way to read it in, you will be kept in perfect peace if your thoughts are rest, or if your thoughts and you are resting yourself in and on God's unfailing promises. What's your mind fixed on today? What's it leaning on today? What's it resting on today? What consumes our thinking? What does it drift to as we go to sleep? What does it focus on? Are your focus, is your mind fixed on your troubles, your challenges? Fixed on getting a romantic relationship to sort the problems of your life? Fixed on your financial worries, your inflation, your future, your retirement? Is it fixed on your, the wars and the rumors of wars and the challenges in the climate around the world that alarming by certain quarters? Is it fixed on who's wronged you? Is it fixed on relational challenges in your family? Is it fixed on what you don't like about the person that you work with or that sits beside you in church? And the New Testament writer Paul also teaches this principle of fixing our mind, to lean on completely, to fully rest ourselves on the Lord. When he talks about it in Philippians, and he uses a word that is translated fix, which carries the meaning of to meditate, to think about. A little different angle. This word fix is like a key that opens doors for the God's peace to walk through. Look what it says in verse 8 and 9. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Everybody say the next word. Then. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Then the God of peace will be with you. It's like when we fix our eyes, our minds, our thoughts, our attention, our reliance on God. It's like a doorway opens and it invites the very presence of God to walk into the situation. It invites God in a special and a powerful way. Psalm 100 verse 4 says, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving. So when I begin to posture myself, my thought life, the way that I'm thinking, not just in a moment, but day after day, moment after moment, we're encouraged to take every cap, thought captive and make it obedient to Jesus. So when I do that and I set my mind, I fix my mind on these kind of things, 
something begins to happen. Something begins to happen. And it, thinking about Jesus. So how do I do that? True, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable. Thinking on Jesus, that Jesus never leaves me. I fix my mind on that Jesus never forsakes me. And when I'm walking through challenges, I remind myself that Jesus is my provider. When I'm lost, he is my guide. When I'm weak, he is my strength and my song. When I'm hurting, he is my comforter. And I begin to speak out. We call it praise. We begin to remind ourselves. We begin to declare who God is in the middle of challenge, in the middle of storm, and we begin to speak. We even said it today, I just want to speak the name of over, over everything. Because this is peace. This is deep, perfect, and real peace that if you don't know Jesus makes absolutely no sense to you. This kind of peace is only available to those that want to make Jesus the forgiver and leader of your life. Jesus himself was not shy about making this declaration. He said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. He said, it's my peace. I'm not giving you a peace, I'm giving you my peace. And when did he say this? This was in the night before he was going to the cross. He was having his last supper with his his. Uh, disciples, and he was able to say, knowing what will lay before him, knowing what he was about to face, the challenge that he was about to step into, he said, my peace I give you. How did you have peace, Jesus? Because his peace did not come from his situation or his circumstances. He was, uh, his peace came from the very presence of God. His peace was in the God of all gods, the King of all kings, that his life was in God's hand, that God's purposes would be fulfilled, that God was a promise keeper, that God was going to do what only God could do, which seemed like a defeat, that God could turn it around for a victory. And he set his mind and his attention on God. Peace is not found in the absence of problems. Peace is found in the presence of Jesus. Who will be kept in perfect peace? The one whose mind is fixed on Jesus. And it takes real training of our minds. Not occasionally, in the first part of our day. Jesus, good morning. Thank you for this day that you've given me. Thank you that you are preparing a way before me. Thank you that you're with me today. It takes as you step into that situation with, with your work, God, thank you that you're with me. Thank you that you're giving me direction in this moment. Thank you that your peace is coming right now. I invite you into it. And day by day, moment by moment, thought by thought, we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Jesus throughout the day and we fix our thoughts. But we're so easily distracted in this day with the endless scrolling, with our over-commitment to by the troubles in our family, by the challenges of our finances. But who is this shalom, shalom for? The one whose mind is stayed on God. The one whose mind is fixed on Jesus. And during our personal storm, during our challenges of the day, like the angels that came into a world that was dark, that was lying without hope in the world, and they came and they said, glory to God in the highest, peace and goodwill to men. But there was no peace, but peace had come in the form of Jesus, a baby who would grow to be a man and become the savior of the world. You know, it's easy to fix our mind on Jesus when things are going well. 
Thank you, God, that I got another promotion. Thank you, God, that everybody loves me. Thank you, God, that I've woken up today. Thank you. And when everything's going well, it's easy. Because that's, but biblical peace is much, much more than that. It's a peace that talks about bringing a sacrifice of praise by the fruit of our lips. That's real praise. Real praise is in the middle of the storm. And peace can come. Real praise in the challenge. Praise in the darkness. Praise when you don't understand. Praise when you don't agree with Jesus. Praise when you're fighting your way forward. Praise when you're fighting through depression. Praise when you're fighting through addiction. Praise when you're fighting for your family. Praise when you're hoping for a turnaround. Praise in the middle of challenge. Praise when the storm is raging. Praise in the middle of it all. That's the kind of praise that causes demons to flee, that causes hell to shudder, that causes heaven to invade in a powerful way. That's why we praise that God inhabits the praises of his people. He comes in a special way and brings his peace with him because he is the prince of peace. He is the one he rules in peace. Under his rulership is peace. And so this season we remind ourselves of that day 2,000 years ago when the angels were welcoming Jesus, proclaiming the source of peace. And as we close I want to give us a simple handle that you can use when you're battling to get your mind, your emotions to settle down. When you're struggling to overcome the noise, the distraction, the whirling thoughts of anxiety. It's in Philippians chapter 4, 6 to 7. Don't worry about anything. Everybody say, don't worry. Instead, pray about everything. Everybody say, pray. Tell God what you need. Everybody say, tell God. And then, thank him. So everybody say, thank him. And here's what happens. Next verse. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything you can understand. In other words, it's beyond comprehension. How can you walk in peace in that? Because the Prince of Peace is in me and walking with me. His peace will guard your heart and mind and stop it from running and start to bring healing to it and start to bring peace to you. Go back to verse 6, please. Don't worry about anything. Somebody need to write this verse down, these 6 and 7. Number 1, don't worry. Number 2, pray. Number 2, 3, tell God what you need. And number 4, thank Him for all that He has done. And then you can experience God's peace. And it doesn't take an hour prayer meeting. It just simply, many times it's just to stop and say, God, I recognize I'm worrying right now. And my worry needs to become a prayer list. God, I thank you for my nieces and nephews. Thank you that you're taking care of them. Thank you that you're leading them to yourself. I need your peace. And you begin to turn your worry list into a prayer list. And you begin to tell God what you need. And then thank him for what he's done. Earlier in the room, we put up our... I, nearly every person in the room put up their hand for something that they're thanking God that he has done. And that sets the stage to say thank you and let your peace come. And if you're struggling with peace today, don't worry about anything. Well, how do you do that? If you stop there, it's impossible. Turn your prayer, worry list into a prayer list. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he has done. A peace that he gives that the world can't give and the world can't take away. Because peace isn't found in the absence of problems. True peace is found in the presence 
of Jesus. And for all of us, when we struggle to find peace, let's fix our mind on Jesus. Let's lean completely. Let's fully rest ourselves on Jesus. You'll be kept in perfect peace when your mind is leaning on Jesus. You'll be kept in perfect peace when you're resting in and on the promise of God for you. And as I close, I invite you to stand. We want to talk to three kinds of people. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank Him for what He has done. But if you just bow your heads for a moment. I want to close out. Three kinds of people. If you're struggling to find peace right now, there's so much happening. There's lots of challenges and struggles. If that's you, I want to pray with you as you begin to practice fixing your thoughts and your attention on Jesus. Maybe you're walking in the peace of God. You've learned these principles. Can I ask you to keep an eye out? To keep your, maybe even your table open, your heart open to those that might not be walking in peace right now? So that you can be an ambassador of peace, struggling to walk with peace, or you are walking in the peace of God, or you're not sure that you're right with God. Romans 5 and 1 says, Therefore, since we have been made right with God, we have peace, or with God, we have peace with God through what Jesus has done. When Jesus died on the cross, we have an ability, an opportunity to have peace with God. Three kinds of people struggling to walk in peace, I'm walking in peace, or I'm not sure I'm at peace with God, and I want to get right with God. Getting right with God is, I have a handle that I use called ABC. It's as simple as ABC to begin the journey of walking with Jesus. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. I believe that Jesus came and died and paid the price for my sin and was raised and defeated death, hell, and the grave. And I confess that he's my Lord or leader. Bow your heads for a moment. We're going to pray. If you're right now struggling to find peace right now, I want to pray with you. If that's you, as every head's bowed, just throw your hand up around the room. Yeah. I'm going to pray, but right now I want you to just begin to say, Lord, I'm casting that thing on you. I'm casting my care on you. I'm casting that situation on you. I'm casting this on you. I'm releasing it to you. Just begin to, in the quietness of your own heart, begin to do that casting all our cares on him because he cares for us. Lord, thank you for your peace, Lord, as we cast our cares on you. We invite you, Jesus, the Prince of Peace, to rule and overrule in our mind and our will and our emotions. Give us, help us, Lord Jesus, to not worry about anything, but to pray about everything, to tell you what we need and thank you for what you've done. Lord, Secondly, I want to pray for those that are not sure if you're right with God and you want to say, I want to walk in peace with God. I want to pray with you. I'm not going to embarrass you, bring, drag you into the front or anything. But if you're not sure if you're right with God, maybe just throw your hand up and I'm going to pray with you and for you. Yeah. Yes. Yes. 
So what it means to surrender to Jesus, it begins a journey of transformation. It's a moment that begins to change the momentum of our life as we submit our life to Jesus, become a follower of him. It's that word follower. We follow him into all that he has for us. He'll take us through. So if you had put your hand up to say, I want to get right with God, simply pray something along these words that I'm going to pray out of your own, in your own words. God, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. And in your own heart, you know, you probably have a big long list, but we're thankful to God who, while we are yet sinners, died for us. I believe that you came to pay the price for my sins so that I didn't have to. That by your grace, I say, Jesus, I respond to your call and say, I want to follow you. I repent of my sins. I want to follow you all the days of my life and by your goodness and your grace that you will transform me little by little, day by day. And I surrender and confess you as Lord of my life. The Bible says that if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, that we are saved. And we trust. So if you prayed that prayer today, you have begun a journey that old has become new. You've walked, you've been transferred from death to life. You've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son that the journey of transformation is beginning right now. That if any man or woman be in Christ, they are a new creature. Behold, all things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And so we're grateful, Lord Jesus, for those that would respond and say, I'm going to be following you all the days of my life. I'm surrendering my life to you. There's two or three in the room. In the strong name of Jesus, amen. We hope you enjoyed this message from Horizon Church. To find your next step, visit horizonfam.ca. Have a great week.